All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by my good friend Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? Pretty good, my friend. Uh, I mean, besides the whole UK lockdown bollocks, which is the only thing we can talk about, which at least gives us a nice break between fireworks day uh, fireworks night and then uh, and then christmas we've now got, got got a lockdown in the middle to moan about <laughs> and look you know there's worse things there could be we've got plenty of opportunities to catch up on some old school wrestling if nothing else i mean the worst thing could be is that we could work for the wwe and vince would want a slice of our cash for this podcast <laughs> yeah trust me there is not much of it to go around i am definitely in the negative on this podcast it's it's for the love not the money the second I make a dollar on this, I'm going straight into work and handing in my resignation. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably go for two dollars, just you know, cover your back. <laughs> oh man, man! But um, no, it is ridiculously hot over here. It's about thirty-two degrees, and it's ten o'clock at night. And I was just telling Richie off the air that I injured my foot playing fiberside yesterday. I've taken some painkillers, and they've just hit my head right as I poured my second mojito. So this could be an interesting show. <laughs> Painkillers and mojito. Now that is a mix. <laughs> but the shows we're here to discuss this time around, uh, back in 1993, of course, and we're looking at the February 22 episode of Raw up against the February 20 episode of WCW Saturday Night. Did you enjoy this pair, Richie? Uh, they were all right. There were there was some wrestling. I don't. I didn't find it offensive. Again, it, there there have been better weeks, but. I did watch Hell in the Cell the other week, so in comparison to that, this was fucking awesome. <laughs> so <clears throat> before we um, before we get started on these two, I did want to ask you, now that we've watched up until the WCW pay-per-view, I think it's Super Brawl, are we going to do the Rumble and Super Brawl before, for our next episode? It only seems fair. Oh, the 93 Rumble, I'm looking forward to this. Um, and that actually Super Brawl card we'll get to in a minute, but it doesn't sound too bad either. This could be, a, you know... A, um, a low-key, decent pair of shows, Richie. Well, a rumble's always good, even when it's shit. I've said that before. And even the, there's nothing I find too offensive at the minute on the WCW card. There seems to be more good than bad. And yeah, you never know. We might see the uh, Rock and Roll Express and go, yeah, we get it. <laughs> uh, I won't bet that first dollar I make on the podcast on that, though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Which show did you watch first, by chance? I went for WCW. Okay, well, that's where we're going to turn, and we're going to head over and see what happened on WCW Saturday night. Are you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. World Championship Wrestling's hottest tag team rivalry explodes next when one half of the unified tag team champions, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, battles Fly and Brian Hillman in a wild lumberjack match. Last week, Big Van Vader sent a brutal message to Sting, and on the eve of their Super Brawl strap match, the monstrous world champion unleashes his fury in the final tune-up for Super Brawl 3. Oh yeah, it's time to go to war. So we get the always dreaded message on the network that this was presented in the most complete form possible and you wonder how bad it's going to be. Um, I have to say throughout the show, it didn't. It wasn't as bad as what I thought. So I think we got off lightly as far as chopped up shows go for this one. I'll, uh, I'll take a show being chopped up when it's a lot more terrible than this. I didn't really notice it. No, me neither. Um, commentary team, as always, is JR and Larry Zabisco, and they open the show with Bill Watts. He tells us we're 24 hours from Super Brawl 3, and the Cowboy runs us through the feuds. A bit of a sort of opening event center, a bit of a cold opening as well. I'm not sure about the strategy of Cowboy Bill Watts opening the show with a rundown, but um, obviously there's no WWF to turn to because we're not in the same Night Wars just yet. Yeah, I thought it was a bit weird just with... Uh... There's not a lot of energy there. I know they're not like like raw energy, but like it's just a little bit too laid back. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then we go to our opening contest. You get this for a lineup. It's Scotty Flamingo, aka Raven, with Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce. Um, Tex Slazinger is that's the one that's Midian, right? I think so. Yeah, he's the one that everyone chants for. 
Yeah, and I always get the two confused after I watch the show. Taking on Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Two Cold Scorpio, and a very young Stephen Regal. What a lineup. Like, four out of the people, I would say, on this list. In fact, five. I mean, the, the uh, Godwins were pretty big. Uh, they go on to do some good stuff, but even at this level, this is not a shit lineup, and I don't like six men. Uh, matches as a, as, a, as a general rule. Agreed, agreed. Um, the faces, which is, of course, Bagwell, Regal, and Scorpio, which is so weird calling Regal a face in the 90s. Um, they get control early, and they work over the arm. We see some arm drags, and, um, yeah, as I said, Regal is a young, fiery baby face. is just so strange. Scorpio, however, is in good form with a big dive. We get drop kicks from Bagwell. The heels work over Bagwell for a while before he makes the hot tag. Um, unfortunately, though, it descends straight into a six-man brawl. This does allow, however, Two Cold Scorpio to hit a corkscrew moonsault for a spectacular finish in the one-two-three in what was a pretty decent opening contest. Not too long, didn't outstay its welcome. Enough name value to get you excited, and then a cool finish. What did you think, Richie? I thought it was really good. I. Uh... I mean, it almost feels like I'm admitting to be a Trump supporter, which I am not. For one, I'm English, and two, I'm sane. But uh, in in this current uh, climate of admitting you listen to the Jim Cornette podcast can somewhat uh, cause people to think you've gone mad. But he does say that like, this period of time in WCW was, was a bit of the shits, and I've got to argue, this was really good. Yeah, I like, quite the, enjoyed the, it. The in-ring the in there was good, and it wasn't too flippy it just it's just good solid like proper wrestling i don't think any of these guys had the character development for this to go 15 20 minutes but for what it was like a six seven minute opening contest with you know no one outstaying their welcome in the ring yeah i thought they got the formula right for an opener here this um reminded me a little bit of like the rockers opening a pay-per-view in the wwf on a much smaller scale yeah went out everyone had a bit of a go and uh I, you know it set the show up properly from there, we go into some of our heavy hitters. It's JR with Sting, um, who cuts a decent promo, um, hyping up the pay-per-view match with Vader, of which I'll splice a little bit in here. What? Thanks very much, Larry Zabisco. And ladies and gentlemen, we're just 24 hours away from Super Brawl 3. Without a doubt, one of the most dynamic pay-per-view events ever in WCW. And the man that will face Big Van Vader in a lights-out, non-sanctioned event. Leather strap match is the one and only Stinger. Let's welcome Sting to center stage. They will be strapped wrist to wrist with a leather strap. The object to incapacitate your opponent and pull him around to all four ring corners. Sting, what a challenge it will be for you tomorrow night. The biggest challenge, I think, in your entire career. Well, let me tell you something, Rossi. I'm dressed for the occasion. I am dressed for the White Castle of Fear, but I don't want to talk about the White Castle of Fear right now. I want to talk about Van Vader. I want to talk about how Van Vader has ruined careers. He has ended careers. In one case in particular, Van Vader, when you took some poor kid who was trying to work his way up the wrestling ranks and make a name for himself in one of his very first matches, and you could have just beat him, but you did more than that. You broke his back. The big power bomb and you broke his back. And then I think about how one time you broke my ribs. And as I start thinking about this, I just want to tell you one thing, Vader. It's not going to be if. It's going to be when. When I hook the scorpion deathlock on you, Vader, I'm going to start cranking on that thing so hard. Your bones are going to start bending, Vader. And then I'm going to start thinking about how you broke the kid's back and I'm going to squeeze harder. Then I'm going to think how you broke my ribs, and I'm going to squeeze even harder. And then I'm going to think about how you whipped me like a dog on national TV. And then I'm going to squeeze so hard, Vader, that your bones aren't just going to bend. They're going to start popping. They might even break a little bit. I might even smile in joy. And I'm going to ask you, is it going to be no pain, Sting? At that point, no, it's going to be, yes, pain, yes, pain, yes, pain, Vader. Then I'm going to let go after I work my way out of my little frenzy. And I'm going to look down at you on the mat, and I'm going to pick you up, all 450 pounds of you. 
and I'm gonna work my way to every single turnbuckle, all four of them. Each one, I'm gonna hit it, no pain. Number two, no pain, until I hit number four. It's gonna be yes pain. Yes pain, Vader. Yes pain, yes pain, yes pain, yes pain, yes pain. Think about that, Vader. The fuck is, is Sting wearing? <laughs> Do you want to describe it's, it for everybody? It's, it's Isn't it a big fur coat? I mean, I'll admit that, uh, although I'm not, uh, I haven't had a second mojito today, I definitely had had an alcoholic beverage when I uh, when I watched this, and I'm pretty certain it's like a white fur coat. With, no, with nothing on underneath, and I'm pretty certain it's, it's that look. Do you think he's going for, like, I, I know we see Vader in, like, some fur capes and stuff like that, but do you remember, like, you know, four or five years before this, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair would have, like, competing mink coats and stuff? Do you think he's trying to throw back that sort of, you know, to be championship material here, you've got to have a fur coat kind of thing? Yes. To be the champion, you must wear... You must wear the uh, the skin of a dead animal. <laughs> fur is murder, but it gets you straight to the top, kid. Yeah. Bill Watts will push you if you're wearing it. <laughs> Um, from there, we, we go from the top a little bit down. It's Vinny Vegas taking on Brad Anderson. I accidentally wrote Brad Armstrong and then corrected myself quite quickly. and went, no, 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 that would have been far better than this. Yeah, Brad Armstrong can uh, is well known for being able to work. <laughs> we get the typical Kevin Nash uh, moves. And I, I don't say that to not Kevin Nash. I actually enjoy him and think he's got a really, really bad rap. But it is his, his typical move set here. Corner boot choke, a big clothesline. Um, JR interestingly calls him a runaway truck. I guess he had an eye on the future because he might not be a truck, but he is that which makes a Mack truck go diesel pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a bit, uh, bit uh, Nostradamus of JR, that. We get a nice gut wrench power bomb for a two, but he pulls him up off the pin. Hits a slam, a side slam, and then he's finishing the snake eyes for the one, two, three. I've got to say, as someone who, you know, obviously we've all seen Kevin Nash's career go up and down, but the snake eyes is no comparison to the jackknife as far as a finisher goes. No, the jackknife is a is a quality fuck you at the end of a match. From there, we go to Tony Schiavone with Max Payne, who promises something so new and innovative, we will never believe it. And guess what? I don't. It's going to be a guitar. I've written it. It's a fucking guitar, isn't it? It'll be a guitar he can't play. He's going to come out and pretend to play a guitar in that way uh, that people who don't know how to play the guitar play the guitar. It, that, it will be, that will be it entirely. I'm, I'm willing to not bet any money on it. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> From there we go to um, JR with Cac- with sorry Mr. Wonderful who cuts a promo on Cactus Jack. Mr. Wonderful was never an amazing promo guy, but this is serviceable for what it is. It's not exactly the, the, the top feud in the promotion. Nah. And we go to Cactus versus Mustafa Saeed. Mr. Wonderful joins the commentary team to get over the feud a bit more. Cactus Jack hits some strikes and a nice apron leg drop for a two, and then a basement drop kick before hitting a leg drop on the floor, which I just found to be really unnecessary. Like, a, a leg drop is not that uh, impressive of a move that it warrants cracking your tailbone on concrete. It's just, like, don't get me wrong, and I, I probably sound like a bit of a dickhead when I say this, Richie, but, like, some of Cactus Jack's insane bumps over the year, I love them. I still think King of the Ring 98 Hell in a Cell match is one of my favourite matches of all time. A lot of people with revision, revisionist history or, you know, try to be a bit more PC over the years, play it down for being, you know, too much stunt-orientated, but I, I loved it. The spectacle was great. That's why I like wrestling, to be shocked and awed, but a leg drop on the concrete does neither, and it fucking hurts, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't see any point in doing this. I know he's trying to get himself over by doing it, but I, I just think in a way it seemed to. Looking back, obviously uh, over time, I think it limited him in his his, his opportunities in the early nineties because people just thought of him doing this, and it was difficult. I think for uh, older promoters to take him seriously you know are you going to push him because sooner or later they're looking at him and we're talking the mentality of people who do house shows and have uh, how long you can do a chin lock competitions and i'm not knocking those but they've got to be looking at cactus doing this in what is relatively low-key not 
particularly exciting match and going, well, he's a fucking idiot. How can I put the heavyweight championship belt on him? Because he's going to hurt himself. I agree, mate. Nail on the head. Um, Just to conclude, he does roll him back in and pin him after that. And then JR says, you know his body has to be wrecked. Well, give it time, JR, because it's definitely coming. Exactly what you just said. And I 100% agree with what you said about I remember watching King of the Ring live, like, just couldn't believe what I was watching. And I think what well, I don't think he's necessarily uh, helped his legacy as time's gone by, but there's a, there's a period of time where Mick Foley is one of the, the best all-rounders that uh, there is. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's ironic, Richie, is if you read Mick Foley's first book, he basically alluded to how unnecessary this is, and he wasn't even speaking about himself. He said something along the lines of The Undertaker gets a bigger pop for diving over the top rope twice a year than Tucker Michinoku gets for doing it every single night. And that's the same thing in Mick Foley against himself. He would gain, you know, the oohs and the ahs that he sought doing one high spot on a major pay-per-view as opposed to trying to do them in every fucking match. Yeah, especially when, when you, like you say, it's not a... It's not a controlled bump, that's straight... We all know what it's like if you slip on ice and land on your arse. Well, maybe not you, you live in Australia. I'll explain the concept (laughs) of ice. It's frozen water. Solid water. Yeah, I know. Walking through the desert over here, I just don't get the same effect, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then we get a Super Brawl control center, which is completely unnecessary since um, Cowboy Bill did this earlier in the night. It's Eric Bischoff. He runs down the card. Um... And I don't understand what I've written for the last part is something about first appointment. I've lost it. Nah, I don't know. It was just I'd sometimes I zone out when they start shilling just because it's it's like I've got to watch the pay per view and I'm not paying for it. So yeah, you're not selling. <laughs> you don't need to sell it me. I'm doing it for punishment. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got an up and R. We're not throwing money at it. That's for sure. Um, after that, we go to Vader versus Chris Sullivan. Um, this is a typical Vader squash, clothesline, press slam, powerbomb, one, two, three. But the story here is, as they did last week or the week before, I can't remember which exactly, um, Harley Race gets in and paints Chris Sullivan's face to make him look like Sting, and they get a strap and whip him. Jobbers come out and they get whipped. Sting comes out eventually. It's a bit late. Vader just gets off, gets out and walks out, um, and we go to a commercial. But definitely driving home the point that Sting's making all the jobbers look like, uh, sorry, Vader's making all the jobbers look like Sting and then beating the shit out of them. Yeah, it's a it's it's a nice look. I, th- I think a few more weeks of it would have been good if you can imagine like a, an eight an eight week build of this happening every time Vader comes out. But uh, you know, it's 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 good and it paints Sting as the uh, eternal baby face. You know what would have been great, mate, is if like they over the eight week span they buddied, you know, had Sting befriend someone like let's say Bagwell. You know, Sting's taken Bagwell under his wing, you know, he's helping him train and then the last week he does it to him. You know, a bit like how um in No Holds Barred Zeus beats up Randy ho Randy um yep. Rip's brother. That's what this needed. Yeah. Well, I mean and, and I never thought you that we'd be able to link that into wrestling given even given its providence, but there you I go. Know. I was just about to say, I never thought I'd say No Holds Barred had storyline credentials that were needed. <laughs> oh, yeah, what we need is the rant. We need the Randy spot. <laughs> oh, man. JR's then with Vader and Harley Race. I'll splice a bit in because, I, you know, I, I'm not saying Harley Race is not a good promo guy, but I don't remember too many memorable moments from him as a manager, but this was a pretty good promo. Yeah, yeah, I... Quite liked. I, I again. Uh, I don't. My knowledge of Harley Race is is pretty limited, and certainly, uh, certainly the stuff I've seen from the eighties, he's not on the mic. It's just like the end of his run in the WWF. But I, I can see where he was the man for the uh, NWA for so many years. There's a bit of fire and a bit of bit of originality, I guess. Jim Ross, let me tell you people out there, Stinger, if you've got illusions of grandeur in your mind, you think you're going to take the world title from the greatest athlete on the face of earth, you've got another thing coming. You have to get by tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is going to be the ending of Sting's career. 
I manage the greatest athlete on the face of God's green earth. Take a look at him. Who's the man? Who's the heavyweight champion of the world? Who's the heavyweight champion of the world? Who's the man that has no fear and feels no pain? Stinger! Stinger! The Christmas holidays are over, brother. It's time to go back to school. And you're going to attend Vader's pain game. Pain game! The school of pain, brother. Stinger! You know what a leather strap can do in the hands of the right man. Brother, I'm gonna whip you like the dog that you are. And when I get done with the Vader powerbomb, I'm gonna drag you around to each four corners. And what you gonna do, Sting, what you gonna say when you're on your back, broke, in fear, and in pain? What you gonna say, Sting, when Big Van Ader asks you, who's the man? Who's the man? What you gonna say, Sting? Brother, you look at me, you look into my eyes. There is no pain, no pain, no pain, no pain, no pain, no pain. No pain. Tomorrow night, and it's not sanctioned. Leather strap match. Let's go back up to the ring. From there, we go to Max Payne versus Keith Cole. I've just wrote here: shoulder block, slam, armbar. That's it. Max Payne just—he does nothing for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just an asshole. I don't know. But some of these guys, when we go back and watch these shows, Richie, I just get an instant dislike for them, and I just can't be asked whatsoever. Especially if I know they don't really amount to anything. But Max Payne just annoys me. I I, uh, I I definitely agree where it comes to Max Payne being a metal head. There's nothing that fucks me off more than parody metal shit like this. It's just like oh really? It's 1993. Kirk Cobain is if he's not committed suicide, it's coming up. I mean, we're talking grunge, not like hair metal. And you've got this fucking idiot going, oh, I'm going to do an heavy metal gimmick. He's wank. He's wank in the ring. The only decent thing of this match was me wondering how long it took that guy with a mullet to wash his hair. <laughs> and he just looks like a fucking sop. He looks like the kid in school that, you know, in primary school sat in the back and ate crayons and in high school, you know, was either plotting to come in in a trench coat or just didn't speak to anyone for three years in a row. He's just got one of them heads that you'd fucking love to slap. Yeah, he's, and, and he's just his fucking hair. Every bit of it. It's just... it's You know what it is? It screams, I am not this. Yeah. That's oh, what it right. is. It, He's not, it a, screams, not a rock star or a wrestler. No, it's... All right, you know, it, it's, if, you, you can take other wrestlers and give them gimmicks that they fit, but this guy does not fit rock god. He doesn't even fit, like, Slayer. He doesn't fit... There's no part of him that suggests that that guy has ever, ever listened to heavy metal. I fucking wish Ozzy Osbourne would bite his head off his shoulders and I never had to look at it again. Ozzy Osbourne couldn't get his fucking head in his mouth. His head's massive. And then he's got that great big fucking wig hair feather shite going on. <laughs> oh, man. He's taken up far too much of our time already. <laughs> um, we go to Tony Schiavone with the Hollywood Blondes who cut a pretty decent heel promo on Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat. Um, I think they're just getting into their groove here, the Blondes, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Uh, yeah, so so does my dog. He's a big fan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I watching this, uh, you just you can see how these two guys have got in comparison to uh, you know who we've just been talking about. Just there's there's light night and day between the two of of where they know what their character is, being pricks, but sort of like believable pricks. Every part of it is seems to be a part of them, whereas. You cut. Whereas the other guy, it, it just whose name I'm trying not to mention again to not set us off, it's just it's just gimmick wank. Whereas these guys, you can tell you can tell they're going to be good. You can tell Pillman's got something. Even I know he's been around for a bit, but like and 
he'll have his car accident and it never quite works out for him. But you can see Austin. Austin is not a surprise. People go, oh, well, you know, Austin got released by WCW and it's like, it's because he was fucking injured. Yeah, that it's says not more he was about a... them than it does him. It wasn't because he was a shit wrestler or he didn't fit in. Maybe he didn't uh, get on with people or didn't pull the uh, party line, follow the party line and that. But you, you, the guy was obviously always going to be a star in wrestling. On this night, however, they've got the misfortune of being the meat and the shit sandwich because they come after Max Payne and before the Wrecking Crew, who I basically consider the tag team version of Max Payne. I fucking hate these guys. They, they too are also shit. I don't. There's again. I don't. They're not even ironically shit. They're just nothing. They're just big dudes with generic moves and generic promos. You know. Power men that don't have any impressive spots just do my head in. So they're taking on the Z-Man and Tommy Gunn, but there's nothing impressive about them. They're just big. We get some chain wrestling and Z-Man drop kicks them both and works on the arm. This match is one of 100 arm ringers, by the way. So if you want to see how to do the most basic wrestling move repeated, just watch this one. Yeah, it's just that if you haven't got the intensity of someone like the Road Warriors... uh, coming out smashing them up they don't have the like steiners who are actually pretty big blokes sort of like that kind of athleticism they're just they use it almost feels like they say they're a power wrestling group so they don't have to move very quickly exactly they're the pivot in the middle of the ring while the guys bounce off them but it's just not entertaining here and to be fair they're not actually that big i mean all right fair enough i mean I, I wouldn't complain if, if, if I was to put on that much muscle mass, but they're not, like, huge guys. No, and they don't look impressive. They are they are thick, but they don't look scary or intimidating. I mean, they don't look... They do look scary and intimidating. I'm, I'm wrong in saying that, but they're not... Like, wrestling's full of guys like this, so they don't do anything that no one else does, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they don't. They, don't, they have a look and some shouty promos, but... They- they just look like indie knockoffs of the Road Warriors kind of physique, if that makes sense to everyone. Like, they're not doing the Road Warriors gimmick per se, but they just look like, you know, the team that would do the indie version of that. Um, we get a slam from Rage for a two, a half crab. The heels cheat as well as if you needed to when you're twice the size of the opponent, but Z-Man makes a save. We get a power slam and then another bear hug. The heels double team before it. Hot tag, small package uh, for a two. Fez press, um, but we get a head clash in, and in the worst botched ending, Z-Man super kicks. Um, but basically, he, he super kicks the guy that was meant to cheat, so he has to no sell. He then goes up top, slips off the ropes, and just barely grazes Tommy Gunn, um, but still gets the one, two, three in just an awful botch finish. And this one, the fact that it had nothing interesting in it and then a shit finish to boot, which should have been a pretty basic match, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 on the hammerlock scale. Yeah, yeah, this is total piss break. Go pour yourself a drink level. Don't care. You don't even care if you've not written any notes on it because it's nothing. It's nothing. It's boiled potatoes. (laughs) From there, we go to Gordon Soley interviewing Barry Windham on a motorbike. Um... He name drops Ric Flair, which is interesting because Flair obviously is not far from coming back. Um, Barry Windham's having none of it, doesn't want to talk about him. Talks up the Great Muda and the NWA title. This went a little bit long because they sort of circled around on the same point. But otherwise, like Barry Windham is coming across as quite legitimate and he definitely big up his opponent, which is classic wrestling promo. Um, make your opponent look strong before beating them in the, in the Great Muda. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm excited to see the match, but I'm interested. It, like you said, it could have only been cut in maybe thirty seconds sooner to make it a bit uh, a bit snappier. But the whole presentation, again, it didn't. When I say presentation, it didn't feel like a presentation. It it actually it was a dude turning up on his motorbike, talking to someone who was interviewing him. There was that's the level of sort of like integrity it had. So it it came across as 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 all right. You know, it was good. It was a good promo. I'm, I'm, I do seem to like Barry Windham more than I ever thought I would do. So I mean, that's a bonus. Very good. Um, and from there, we go to our main event, which is a lumberjack match. It is Brian Pillman versus Ricky Steamboat. And we have some glorious mullets around the ring here, Richie. If you're a jobber in WCW 93, you've got business at the front, all party at the back. 
<laughs> We've got a lot of stalling early. This didn't get started very quickly. We then go to some chain wrestling, and we get a bit of a small we want flair chant from the crowd. So uh, I don't know if they're smart or they're just wanting flair back, but they're going to get their wish pretty soon. Yeah, I reckon, well, they must have known he's not, even if you weren't reading any of the uh, Meltzer or anything at the time, they must have realised he hasn't shown back up on TV on the other side for a few weeks, and that's not that's not really Vince's style if he's going to bring someone back, or to not mention him. You know, even if, if Ric Flair had lost a loser leaves town match but wasn't actually leaving the WWF, then his name would be mentioned on a weekly basis correct you are uh we get a steamboat drop kick before going to commercial when we come back pillman hits a back suplex and drop kick steamboat in midair for a two sidewalk slam for a two before we go through some um i won't say rest holes submission holds but they're not really going to get a submission and then a boston crab and a dumb stretch it's quite a slow pace um and austin keeps on sneaking in some cheap shots steamboat hits an electric chair drop to get back in control as we go to a commercial and then JR and Larry Zabisco tell us um, that it ended in the break when we come back. Ricky Steamboat won with a roll-up amid a lumberjack brawl, which really pissed me off. We didn't see the finish in the main event. How do you do your main event finish in the fucking commercial and it's just a roll-up? It made no sense. I was like, what the... Really? Have you really done that? It really took the sting out of the show because... Uh, bar the one or two bad spots we talked about, this was a decent show, but you can't have a main event that, like, and it didn't really get into second gear, and then it just finished with a roll-up in the commercial? Like, come on. Yeah, come on, guys. It's not professional. Not at all. That will do it for WCW, um, as is the style of the show. We go to halftime, and let's chat some memorabilia or merchandise. Uh, my favourite spot, given that I uh, neither buy memorabilia or merchandise. Merchandise. Although I will say, I did very much enjoy your uh, your podcast the other week with uh, about the belts because it's something I don't really take much notice of. So it's a, a, a pretty cool little learning curve. Yeah, a little change of pace for me. I'm by no means an expert, but I do have quite a few of them hung up on my wall that I've acquired over the years. And yeah, I guess you know, not many people have got. 10, 12 replica belts hanging up on their wall, so I probably do know a little, enough to chat about it for a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it can't be argued that they are damn cool pieces of uh, memorabilia, well, merchandise. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about today is an old favourite of mine, the WWF magazine. Um, I don't know if you ever bought any of them or looked at them online but a big favorite of mine was when they would do like the episode after a pay-per-view or sorry the edition of the magazine after a pay-per-view back before there was a pay-per-view every month of course and they would do the covers with like five or six action shots from the pay-per-view all over the cover i distinctly remember my favorite cover of all time is the one after wrestlemania 7 which you should definitely google wwf magazine 1991 covers and you'll find that it's got like a silver and uh, white star background and it's got action shots of warrior and macho hogan and slaughter um and a few others on there but just a great magazine cover the wwf back in the day knocked it out the park with these covers yeah i i yeah uh, oddly even though i wasn't following wrestling really at that point uh i, I do remember flicking for it ba- mostly based on the uh on the covers i mean it, obviously the inside of it was all a bit a bit kayfabe but uh now they did the thing is, and, and we come back to this with the podcast uh, often, is that uh, the WF, God damn, do they know how to do uh, like production and uh, making things look good. Absolutely. And a year later, they did a really good one as well um, after WrestleMania 8, and that had like the picture of Savage holding the belt up on the ropes and Sid and Warrior and Hogan and just a bunch of other goodness. So if you're ever bored for... 20 minutes and you're playing on your phone just google wwf magazine covers in the early 90s just flick through them and let nostalgia take its course and i don't have anything to uh, reference this with but if you want to laugh i would suggest probably looking for wcw because it's bound to be shitter <laughs> oh, and on that note let's flick from wcw over to raw Wrestling fans can spell. Live from New York, it's Monday Night Raw! 
As you would have just heard then, Raw opened with a Rob Bartlett intro for a change, and then Vince and the Macho Man hypers up for a six-man tag, and Hulk Hogan's coming to Raw. Um, bit of big news here, Richie. Obviously, we knew from last episode he was going to be coming, but it's still surreal to see the Macho Man telling us Hulk Hogan's going to be appearing on Raw, isn't it? Yeah, it's just bizarre. Uh, like even even while they're in that uh, where they're recording, it just the idea of Hulk Hogan being somewhere that's not a stadium blows my mind. <laughs> and then we go to our opening contest: Bam Bam Bigelow taking on Scott Taylor. And if you're going to tell me that six seven years from now one of these guys would be a big star in the biggest boom in wrestling history, and the other would have faded away, I probably wouldn't have picked it to go the way that it went. No, I certainly wouldn't have Bam Bam Bigelow in the uh, is it New Jersey Triad in WCW. Something like that, Rest- yeah. Wrestling in a t-shirt. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't have expected it to have gone that way at all. Yeah, I kind of like going back. One of my favourite things is, is spot the jobber on these episodes of Raw. I don't mean that in a derogatory term at all, but just how many of these guys stuck at it and made a name for themselves? You know, the Hardy Boys, Scott Taylor. We've seen Rhino as one of the job guys. Um, if you go way back to the 80s, you can catch Mick Foley as one of the job guys. But just honestly, fair play to some of these guys that stuck it out and made names for themselves, even Dwayne Gill. Yeah, Dwayne Gill. Uh, AJ Styles, Chris Daniels. uh even I think uh, Rob Van Dam's, I think, was on WCW. Yeah, Robbie V, you're right. So, yeah. you know, mad respect for these guys. And I don't say that with any sarcasm whatsoever. Um, this match, however, is definitely a job, uh, a squash match. Uh, Bam Bam hits a clothesline, electric chair drop, a top rope headbutt, and then goes up and does it a second time just because he can. And one, two, three, it's all over. Yeah, it's not a lot to write on about on this one. We then go to Hulk Hogan in a sit-down interview with Vince McMahon. He goes on a tirade about the um, about the the media being out to get him, which is just weird. Um, and I, like, I, first of all, it's a bit of a strange thing to bring on. Like, I know they're you know ninety-three steroid trial and all that, but your average kid that's watching Raw and to be honest, in that era, it's probably mostly aimed towards kids. Doesn't know anything about that. And secondly, Hulk Hogan, if anyone's out to get you, well, I guess that's just God's plan for you, brother. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God will have sorted that out. I just thought he, was, he somehow knew about Gorka 25 years before, Anderson. Because he's, <laughs> he's talking about the internets and stuff, and I'm like, you you wait. There's going to be a video, a discussion of chicken. You're not going to want to go any further with that one, my friend. <laughs> no, I bet he feels like a pig. Yeah, <laughs> Stay away from Bubba the Love Sponge. Well, more importantly, Bubba the Love Sponge's wife, I suppose. <laughs> from there, we go to a commercial and we come back. It's a bit of a... Um, we talked about a name value six-man on the other show, but here we've got Shawn Michaels teaming with the Beverly Brothers to take on Tatanka and the Nasty Boys. Not a bad little six-man combo here for Raw. No, not really. I mean, the the Beverly Brothers are an odd one because they seem uh, slightly out of place just in the WWEF, but... No, I was like, this this surely won't be boring. Tatanka cleans house early. Uh, we get a pit stop from the nasties on the Beverly Brothers, which always gross me out. Um, Shawn Michaels um, comes hits a back elbow before we get um, Brian Nobbs hitting a clothesline, a, a shoulder breaker from Sags, and we get a nasty chant from the crowd, which I don't recall hearing too often as the faces are in control at the commercial break. Yeah, uh, the I, I think that part of that was that the Nasty Boys compared to the Beverly Brothers are the biggest stars there, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, the heels low bridge Brian Nobbs as Vince McMahon hits his fifth unbelievable of the show already and just drives me insane. He's not the greatest at times, is he? Oh, he just knows how to drive a point home. I'd love to do like a... A pay-per-view count. Vince McMahon's unbelievable up against Gorilla Monsoon's It's Happening from SummerSlam 88. <laughs> I don't think there's enough uh, paper in the world to do the uh, the gate fence things where you go one, two, three, four, cross it across. <laughs> oh, man. The heels take over and the nasty boys get another chant. The Beverly's hit their finisher, but it only gets a two. Uh, Brian Nobbs is playing the face in peril in this match. He does eventually get a hot tag to Tatanka, who comes in and hits a power slam, chops, top rope chop, uh, and then a Samoan drop. But 
one Beverly brother makes a save. Uh, we then clear out the Nasty Boys, and Tatanka hits a... Oh, sorry, the Nasty Boys clear out the Beverlies, and Tatanka hits a sunset flip for the 1-2-3, which was not really too bad of a match. I genuinely didn't mind this, Richie. What do you think? It's a pretty good match. Uh, I did not expect a, a HBK job. I did not expect him to be the one to be pinned. No, no, me neither. But, um, yeah, overall, this was good. We go from here to a WrestleMania ad, which we're still a fair way off in the distance, but don't worry, we may chat WrestleMania 9 later on in the show, we'll decide. And um, we go outside to Sean Mooney with the fans, which I'll splice a bit in here, but this was a, a little bit surreal and just a bit weird as well, Sean Mooney outside with wrestling fans. Certainly a lot of great action coming up tonight here on WWF Monday Night Raw, but I think we all know one of the big reasons the folks are out tonight is to see Hulk Hogan, who's coming back. I see the Hulkster buddies are out. What do you think about Hulk's return? I'm glad, I'm glad Hogan's back. He's the reason why I'm here tonight. Hulk, okay. Hulk. Hulk Hogan's back in the World Wrestling Federation. I think he's going to clean house from the WWF and become champion again. Well, I think that makes it official. Hulk Hogan is back in the World Wrestling Federation. I mean, it, it, it's not someone I'd put outside with wrestling fans. <laughs> that sees us through to the next commercial. And when we come back in, it's shaka bra. It's time for Kona Crush to take on Terry Taylor. Yeah, you know this isn't, isn't going to last long, don't you? <laughs> no. When, the, 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 uh, what is it? I can't remember his WCW. It's like the made man Terry Taylor. <laughs> Before the match actually gets underway, we get Ica Pro and Hasbro wrestling figure ads. But then when we start, Terry Taylor comes with some strikes before Crush hits a drop kick and a press slam. Vince McMahon on commentary um, just really adds to his credibility here where he says Bill Clinton might take Hulk Hogan as his head of fitness, um, which then prompts Rob Bartlett to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Uh, commentary going off the rails just briefly there. It, it, not exactly focused on the wrestling, was it? No. Um, Taylor hits a jawbreaker and a neckbreaker to get a two, but at the two count, Crush with the huge throwing kick out. He then hits an inverted atomic drop, a clothesline, and the Kona Crush, uh, like the head crush finish for the tap out victory. Um, yeah, good guy Crush doesn't really do it for me, but I still get a kick out of seeing him just for Shaka Bra and the orange and purple outfit. And let's not forget the mullet. Ooh, what a mullet. Glorious mullet. <laughs> I, 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 I always enjoy these like early 90s matches because they still do things like atomic drops. And it's like stuff you don't get anymore. But mostly because it's ridiculous, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, we look at last week's Money Inc. Brutus Beefcake angle, and then it's time for Vince McMahon to introduce Hulk Hogan for his first ever Raw appearance. I'll splice some of this in here. Um, it is a pretty lengthy segment, but I'll put bits of it in here anyway. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. And let's not wait any longer. Here he is, than he ever did. But the thing that tears me apart inside is not what they did to Brutus Peefcake. It's what they tried to do to him, brother. You're on a mission, brother. I state publicly right now that I'm back in the WWF. I'm back, little dude, in the WWF with me and all my Hulkamaniacs, and I'm on a mission, brother. And the first order of business 
is to right the wrong that Money Incorporated tried to do to Brutus Beefcake. So all I gotta say right now is the first person I want standing in the ring with me is my friend to the end, Brutus the Bionic Barber Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake! And first I want to thank the because he's been right behind me all the way through this thing. But I also want to thank Jimmy Hart and Hulkster as I stand here now with the power of Hulkamania running wild through my body. I can't wait to get the IRS and Ted DiBiase one more time and cross my path again. Well, you know something, Brutus? I sure hope that Money Incorporated is sitting in front of their TVs watching this right now, brother, because the first thing that you and I are gonna do, brother, is we're gonna start seizing their assets one at a time. And I can't think of no better way than to take the man who everybody thought was nothing but yellow from head to toe. But last week, after he showed his true colors out here, as far as me and all my Hulkamaniacs are concerned, he's painted for, with red and yellow from head to toe. So right now, Hulkamaniacs, I want to bring out Brutus the Barber and Hulk Hogan's brand new manager, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart! The new manager! When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Let me tell you something, Hulk. This is the greatest day of my life, baby. Because you see, for a long, long time, I've dreamed about wearing the red and yellow of the Hulkster Man. And you know something else, Hulk? I have always idolized you, man. And I know right now, watching these monitors in the back, there's a lot of World Wrestling Federation superstars, Vince McMahon, that idolize this man, too. And you know, over the past eight years, this megaphone right here has won a lot of matches for the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And I've managed a lot of great tag teams in the World Wrestling Federation. But I really believe in my heart, Hulkster, that Buddhist the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan together will be the greatest tag team of all time. And I promise you one more thing, baby, that every morning of my life that Jimmy Hart gets up, I will take my vitamins. And Money Incorporated, you had better start saying your prayer! Well, you know something, Money Incorporated? We just want to let Jimmy come over here, brother. Me and Brutus just want to let you know that your first order of business as the manager of this trio of the, uh, the Mega Maniacs, that's what we'll call ourselves, the manager of the Mega Maniacs is to get the multi-million dollar man, or IRS, either in signal matches or tag team matches. It doesn't matter to us. And by the way, Money Incorporated, what you gonna do when the trio of the Mega Maniacs runs wild on you? And yeah, you hear Hulk Hogan comes out and thanks God and Jimmy Hart that he's back in the WWF. He does get a big pop. The crowd are very happy to see him and he brings out the barber. Yeah, and that's where it nosedives. Yeah, I put here Richie doesn't get as much of a pop. He thanks God and Jimmy Hart as well. Um, we get a good promo from Jimmy Hart, funnily enough. And then we go out to um, a WrestleMania ad and they pose to the commercial. So, I don't know, like, uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being hypercritical. I don't know. Maybe I just don't like Hogan and Beefcake. But, um... That angle was so serious and really, you know, real and gritty. And they come out and they do a pose down the next week. Like, now I don't really want to see them get revenge as much as I just think, oh, he's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, 
if I was to have a <coughs> excuse me, para sending accident and have my face smashed in, not be able to make me living for two years, come back and then get smashed in the face with a briefcase. <coughs> I think the person that did it to me, probably I would do more than pose off. I mean, I'd shoot the fucker. But, you know, it's wrestling. Yeah, this just didn't do it for me. Um, not what I expected and didn't love it. It's, I mean, it's a cool moment to see Hogan's first Raw appearance, but it just... They just descended it to the cheesiness way too quickly. Like, if you think back, right, like, to 1990 and Hogan and Earthquake, and Earthquake was allowed to get some heat. Uh, Andre and Hogan, Andre had mega heat on Hogan. Even Slaughter, to an extent, you know, was allowed to get some heat, burn the shirt and beat up on Hogan mates and stuff. But this year is like, you've tried to kill my mate and a week later we're out posing. We're not in peril whatsoever. I think... Uh, and this is what lead, you know, probably leads through to the uh, the heel turn in '96. Is he could have come back and changed at this point. He could have been grittier. He could have looked around the raw, uh, where they're filming raw, and and sort of like gone hold on. This is, I'm 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 not the big white, red, white, and blue. He could have looked at society and and all the other stuff, and he could have he could have started to make those changes. But I mean, he obviously holds on to it for now all the way through 94, 95, midway through 96, before he uh, finally realises that his act, well, not his act, his gimmick is, is no longer resonating. It just, I, th- I think he could have come out and he could still been Hulk Hogan, but been like, look, you you messed with the wrong people here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because then- at WrestleMania, sorry, sorry, mate. At WrestleMania, once no, no, you've beaten no, it, yeah, once once they get to WrestleMania, then he, you know, once they beat him, he can go back to being the posing. He can do that at the end, but to me, like you say, it just deflates the entire angle when they come out and do it the week after. Yeah, I mean, even just you know, don't bring Beefcake out and say he's home suffering. But when he heal, when he heals, we're going to come and get you. Some I don't know. There's, there's a you know they could have just subtly changed this a little bit and made it serious and made Money Inc seem like a threat. And to me, like you know, going back and, and remembering WrestleMania night, it just makes it all the more pathetic that Beefcake was fine, Big Hogan's back, and they still couldn't get the job done and win the belts. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad, bad booking, probably because of arguments behind the scenes. Yeah, I agree. Um, and obviously Hogan, you know, happy to take Beefcake on his coattails, but not at the expense of his main event push. So that probably derailed the tag team there as well. Yeah, yeah. Th- at no point is he going to look weak. We then go to our main event, which is The Undertaker taking on Skinner. Um, I spot Vlad the Superfan in the introductions, and we go to commercial before the match starts. We've got a Skinner clothesline and then a Slim Jim ad during the match as well, which is weird. Um, we get a choke with a, with his claw on the floor, and Vince tells us we're out of time, and they'll give us a conclusion next week. Spoiler alert, they don't. And um, we're told that the... Um, I'm sorry, I'm told that we're going to see a head shrinker versus Bret Hart for the world title next week. So, yeah, um, what a week, Richie, where both shows didn't bother to show us conclusions to their main event. And... I, I mean, I can't help but think that you would maybe advertise your world champion, who we've not seen, who we have not seen for weeks on Raw, the world champion, is taking someone on next week and it's just thrown out at the end. Yeah, it made no sense. They're certainly not in... Um, they've not got their act together with promoting what's coming up in a timely fashion just yet. Um, and not showing, like, the tombstone just pissed me off. Like, come on. Like, it's Undertaker versus Skinner. We know how it ends. Let us see the bit that we care about. Yeah, it, well, I mean, who's willing to uh, put money on that the Hulk segment went over? I think you're probably right on the money there, mate. Um. Overall, though, a pretty decent show as well. So this is going to make things a little bit interesting for us because I didn't hate either show. And I've got to say, I genuinely enjoyed watching them both. Yeah, but I I always come back to when I can see that the time is less than an hour, it's it's easier to get through. It's easier to digest. I I know I can do it in a (laughs) wanna. 
Well, with that being said, and we've both, you know, breezed through these, should we go and pick ourselves a winner then? Oh, without doubt. Let's start off this week with Crowd Heat. Which crowd do you think um, was the more vocal and into the show, mate? I would have said, again, it's a much of a muchness, but Hogan, as much as it pains me, does get a pretty big pop. Yeah, the crowd is pretty happy to see him. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. Hogan's obviously the most over person on either show. Um, If you take his you know, introduction and pose down out. It's probably pretty even, but it was part of the show, so you've got to give it to them. Um, I went with the Fed again on production value, although I don't think um, there was much in it this week. WCW, we're not sure really what we missed, but, you know, WWF was slightly slicker, even though I thought they both misstepped a little bit. What did you think? Well, again, the ending's questionable, and I would have gone WWF because... You know, at least they said, "Look, we're out." There's, I don't know. There's no great way not to show the end of a match, but somehow timing the end of the match in the middle of an advertisement break somehow seems like worse planning. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, as for- also, if you, if if you think about it, uh, Undertaker versus Skinner is hardly like uh, a match we can't guess who's going to win. Yeah, I know. It made no sense. Um, this is probably turning out so far um, to be a bit more one-sided than I, I anticipated. Um, as far as storyline advancement, I've got to say, I probably went WCW marginally on this one, though. Um, I thought they did a good job um, getting their title feud over the line, um, advancing a few other little bits here and there, particularly Cactus Jack and Mr. Wonderful. And WWF really only looked at one feud, and that's Mega Maniacs and Money, Inc. And I thought they blew it, to be fair. So I went WCW for that one. What about yourself? I would agree. I feel that uh, there was a lot more put into the WCW show. Now, admittedly, it's because we're watching these slightly out of sync with the pay-per-view, so they're building to try and sell their pay-per-view as opposed to WWF, who are probably in a bit of a holding pattern but the the Mega Maniacs storyline is just ever since Brutus has come back has just been uh, blown on so many levels given what they could have done absolutely and um, what about for um, the characters featured on the shows who do you think had a better usage of their characters on this one I'm going to go WCW uh, and although we had to put up with Max Payne besides that there was, I felt, far better showing of talent and certainly watching people like the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, and then you've got uh, Steamboat and Brian Match, the Barry uh, interview. I just thought overall there was a better showing of, of, of that on WCW. I agree. I don't think there was really too many major players missing. you got Vader, Sting, Cactus Jack, um, some of the young talent like Bagwell, Regal. Um, you, we really did get a good showing. Wyndham had a promo, Vader. So I, I went WCW as well. Although, again, it was pretty close. I think had Bret Hart been on Raw, that could have tipped it or at least tied it up. But the lack of Bret, we not didn't really see the end of Taker's match. Um, although Hogan probably did eclipse everyone. I, I don't think for the overall show it, it was enough to do it. And that puts us back to a dead heat coming into match quality. And this is a tough one because... There was a couple of bits that I didn't like on either show, but both show had watchable wrestling as well. So who did you go with, Richie? I think, and I'm flip-flopping a little bit on this, but I think I'm going to go WCW, but I feel that's potentially unfair because it's a longer show, therefore it's got more wrestling on it, which was I remember, as opposed to... There's a there's a shorter time span for Raw, but I didn't really enjoy the six man. I really enjoyed uh, the Steamboat and Brian ending, even though it does uh, just just drop out. And then you've got Vader smashing a a jobber. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. But I mean, it's not uh, it's not something I would necessarily argue for hours about. 
Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I actually couldn't pick them, and I went for a tie, which overall gives WCW a very marginal win. And I've got to be honest, I feel like that's the fair result. They were both good shows, and I know WCW was longer. You're definitely correct there. But I feel like WCW just achieved slightly more with its time than the WWF did, but not by enough that I would say, oh, yeah, definitely a better show. Just fractionally more efficient, I think, was WCW on this one. Well, it would be easier for WCW to provide crapper wrestling because they're on longer, but they actually provided interesting wrestling. So I suppose, you know, it all balances out sooner or later. We could they could have sent someone out for a chin lock challenge. <laughs> but yeah, I would probably recommend if you are bored one night and want to flick on some old wrestling, these two shows you could do a lot worse. Um, so far, so good. I'm enjoying the early run of Raw and the Saturday night stuff of which I've never seen is holding its own against it. So. I'm, you know, still really chuffed with this little storyline we've taken on and am now looking forward to seeing the Rumble and Super Brawl. Yeah, I think that uh, that'll be interesting because I don't think you get... There's quite a difference in the uh, the style, I think, once we get to the pay-per-views. Yeah, and I'm not saying... Like, obviously, there's not as many pay-per-views in this era, so we're not going to have to do tons and tons if we don't want to. But we, we're also not yet committing to doing all the pay-per-views. I think these watchable one-hour shows, and even for the recording of the pod, mate, obviously being on opposite sides of the world, we can get together and in 45 minutes to an hour have a podcast out, which I'm really enjoying as well. So, you know, we'll do the pay-per-views and see how it goes. And then we've got, a, you know, quite a few shows between deciding if we're going to do it again. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we've probably both seen the WrestleMania of this year. So, we'd, and isn't it... Hold on, what do you mean WrestleMania? Is it nine or eight? Yeah, it is nine, yeah. Oh, fucking hell, Jesus. Oh, that's like a wet fart in a bloody elevator, that one. <laughs> we might skip, wait till King of the Ring before we do another pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, I've got a bad taste in my mouth from watching that one. Oof. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching the 93 King of the Ring, though. Like, I, The WrestleMania 9 doesn't really interest me to review. And I think, to be fair, it's been done to death by every podcast out there. I mean, it's got two pictures on the book of wrestle crap. It's probably not a lot you and I are going to add to it. But King of the Ring, you know, where um, we get three Brett matches and a really controversial, famous ending to a Hogan match, I think maybe by the time we get to there, we could stomach that one. Yeah, definitely. It's like when we didn't review WrestleMania 3 and 6. It was like, what are you going to say at the end of it? It's good, obviously. Yeah, I think you're on the money there, mate. But no, overall, a couple of good shows. I enjoyed watching them. Um, we've got a bit of work to do before our next episode now because we're going to watch two pay-per-views for the first time in a long time. But I'm still looking yeah. forward to it, mate. I'm going to plug away on them this week. Yep, I'll, uh, I'll be lining them up on the always fucking irritating WWE Network interface. Oh, I've had some trouble with it lately. I've my I, I was hoping to have a PlayStation Five, and I'm sure most people know the fiasco with getting one. They've been bought out by scalpers, and places have got no idea what shipment they're going to get. And I gave my brother my PlayStation Four a little while back to play because he was bored, and I, you know, wasn't really using it. But I really regret like not having it for how easy it is to get on all the apps on there, and trying to cast it from my phone and stuff has just been a pain in the ass. Yeah, I just I think the WWE network is is the work, one of the worst designed fucking things to try and find anything on. I just you you can look up wrestlers' names and not find stuff. It's like how can you do that on a wrestling thing? I, I just want WrestleMania six, not a match from <laughs> WrestleMania six, the whole of WrestleMania six. Yeah, I hear you, mate. It's a bit of a shocker. Hopefully. They'll improve it one day, but I'm not too keen because I'm sure they'll whack the charge up with it when they do. Well, yeah. Well, I think Vince is bored of it. The only reason they can't get rid of it is because uh, they've moved everything onto it and they ain't going to get people back to buying pay-per-views. No, I, some, you know, if, if I didn't do this podcast, I, I do watch a little bit of it, but $16 a month they charge me for it is definitely, I'm not keen on that being anymore. No, no. I, I think that... Uh, they don't have enough people buying it to to make the price increase worthwhile. Yeah, not with the, not not if you're going to say where well, you get free pay per views every month and everyone's like, yes, but we don't want to watch him. Yeah, I've not watched a pay per view since the Royal Rumble, and I probably won't until the next Royal Rumble. So there you go. I, I like I said, I watched Hell in the Cell, and uh, yeah, it was oh, I tell a lie. I did. 
I did watch this year's Mania. I watch. I skipped to the the matches I was interested in, but I did watch parts of this year's Mania. But that's it for me. One and a half pay per views I've watched this year. I, do, I, I, I mean, I, I could go on an entire tangent of, of, of it, so I'll leave it there. But yeah, WWE Network, the interface isn't great, and there's not a lot, not a lot on it you want to watch. Do you think we can get a, uh, a, uh, and them to advertise with us? I won't hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> But that was good fun. Um, as always, Richie, thank you once again for coming on and reviewing Small Wrestling with me. Always uh, yeah, always fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we've got a bunch of shows on the horizon. Um, obviously, Richie and I will be back probably in a few weeks' time once we've watched some pay-per-views. And I've got some 99, 1996 wrestling coming your way. And then Duncan and I will be back together shortly as well. So thank you all for, for listening. And have a good night. And catch you next time, Richie. Toodaloo, motherfuckers.